Good morning to everyone. Good to see you here. Glad that you're with us. Uh, good to see everyone that's in the audience. I know there's some here that we have been praying for to recover and have gotten better, and we're so really appreciative of that. You know, prayer is a, a wonderful thing. It's a great spiritual blessing that we have, and uh, I think we just need to use that blessing, that avenue, as much as we can. Uh, Sean said, of course, our VBS does start tonight. I hope that you can be here. hope that you've made plans to be here all week. I think the uh, uh, material is, is, is really good. We're going to be studying the flood, but a lot of different aspects of that, from the world itself uh, uh, to Noah the man to the animals, just going to get pretty deep uh, into a lot of things. Of course, our materials come from Apologetics Press, and it's always very good uh, material. Uh, also, if uh, you're a young, uh, young man and, and got some muscles, if you could help us bring over all the things that we need for our puppets up here tonight uh, after services today, I'd greatly appreciate that. I, uh, my mind's willing, but my body ain't like it used to be. I'm getting older, so I can't carry a lot of that myself. But uh, if you can help, I think I can carry. I think Kevin and Mike carried the curtain last time. I think I'll carry the curtain today if y'all can carry uh, the rest of the wood. That'd be good. That'd be good. I'd appreciate it. But if we can meet over there in uh, the storage building, Fellowship Hall after services, I'd really appreciate that. Um, there are bridges, mostly in Europe. I think there may be a couple in the United States. Uh, that they actually use them, but there's actually bridges that are called lock bridges. And what these are, they're uh, mostly pedestrian bridges where uh, young lovers will take a padlock. They'll inscribe either their name or some message on this, and they'll, they'll take that lock and they'll, they'll put that on the bridge and lock it, and they'll take the key, they'll throw it in the river. Um, and there's several of these uh, throughout, especially Europe, um, but there was one bridge in particular that uh, there were so many locks. There were over seven, about 700,000 locks on this one pedestrian bridge. Uh, and it was so much that it weighed just like there were 20 elephants on this pedestrian bridge. That's how much uh, these locks weighed. And they ended up starting to collapse. So they ended up having to cut off a lot of the locks. Uh, it got so heavy, so many people put them on there. But it originated, or the story goes, that it originated doing that. There was a, a young lady in Hungary. Her beau, her boyfriend, got sent off to World War I, and he never returned. And, of course, she was sad over that. She was heartbreaking, heartbreak broke over that. So she would take these padlocks, and she would inscribe different things, and she'd take them all to all the bridges that her and her her boyfriend had spent time talking and planning their future, that uh, she put those locks on there and threw the key in the river uh, as a sign of their unbreakable love that they had. And that's a wonderful story, isn't it? I think that's kind of touching uh, to hear that. Um, but the book of Hosea describes God's love uh, for his people and that it was unbreakable. But the problem was that Israel's love for God was not nearly um, that secure. Uh, maybe they didn't show when they didn't their love for God like he showed to them. But notice what it says here uh, in this decoration in the middle uh, or in the midst of the book of Hosea here. 
In Hosea chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. Now this was an interesting statement by God because it started out telling that uh, Israel that he would allure her in the wilderness. Now there's a lot of, lot of things that's involved in this that we're not going to get in this morning because it's not going to be the point of the lesson on uh, what God was actually doing, what Israel was doing then, the implications that it meant in the immediate context of, of, of him bringing them back to him, but ultimately how he brought all to him through Christ is what I think it's ultimately talking about, especially as you go through the book of Hosea. But as he says here in this, there's a couple of things. He says he's going to lure her and speak comfort words to her, but then he talks about the valley of Achor. Notice what he says, in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. Now when he talked about the valley of Achor, what is that? Well, if you go back and look in Joshua uh, chapter 6 and 7, uh, you'll know that what happened, remember when God basically, or, or not basically, He did, went up to Joshua and said, into your hands I give you this city, when He talked about Jericho, and He told them what to do, walk around at one time for uh, six days, but on the seventh day go around at seven times, and you've got the priest you know, with the ark, and then you've got them blowing the trumpets, He said, then blow the trumpets, and then uh, everyone yell, and then the walls are going to come down, and that's exactly what took place. And God told him, he said, okay, you're going to ultimately destroy, but here's what you can't do. You can't take the iron, you can't take the bronze, you can't take these things. Now, in other cities, they could. They, they could plunder the other cities, but this particular one, God said, don't do this. And remember what he said here in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 18. He says, and when you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become a curse, when you take of the cursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So we're going back to Hosea when he says he will take, he said from the valley of Achor he will bring a door of hope. Now as they would understand what this valley of Achor is, it was a place that literally meant a place of trouble, a, a, a place that brought trouble or even the name meant trouble. And here's the situation where it did. So what did the people do? They actually, you know, did what God said, but there was an individual who took some of those things and he hid them. Now, did the other people know about it? I believe there were some that probably knew about what he did. Uh, but irregardless, he did that. And because of that, when they went out, remember, when they went out against Ai, they were defeated because of that, because there was sin in the camp, because they, they had took of the cursed things. So remember Joshua and the other elders, they, they fell down and they, they worshipped, they, they, they ripped their clothes, they, they were in this full repentance mode, if you will, toward God. And God said, here's what it took place. Here's what's happened. And he gathered all these individuals, uh, all these people to come to him, and they found that Achan was the one who hid these things in his tent. So what did they do? They took Achan and his family and all his things, they took him out to this valley, and they put him to death. So that's what this valley was known of. But it, it was more than just a tra tragic event. It was actually a place that would bring hope because you look at this tragedy, here's what sin will do. Here's what disobedience to God will do. Here's what will happen. But out of that is an example of if you follow God, then there's hope, right? If you follow God, He's going to do what He says He's going to do. 
but you have to follow him. So he says here, out of the valley of Achor, what's he say? There's going to be a door of hope. So as we think about this, and like I said, there's a lot of other things that's in the book of Hosea here, that, that implication to what Christ did and, and the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem and that system of, of belief that brought about you know, the one in Christ. There's a lot that is said here, but what I want us to focus on, I want us to look at that door of hope that he brings. Even out of this tragedy, and that's what God does, out of a tragedy, out of something that to us may look like a devastating thing, may look like tragedy, but out of that he brings hope. Because that's an example of, of, of disobedience to God. But when you see that, you, you see what, this, what happens with this, and you couldn't imagine that, oh, the, how, how awful this is. But there's hope from that. There's hope that we see that God brings us hope, and He's the one that is hope. Now the key question is, again, where does this hope come from? It comes from God. That's the only place that we can have this hope. Now, a lot of people will try to have hope in a lot of different things. Uh, 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 Titus, I started calling you Silas. <laughs> Titus said that, you know, in, in, uh, as he was leading singing here, we, we sung the song and we're teaching and admonishing one another as, as we sing these songs of praise unto God that our hope is built on nothing else than Him, than God, than Christ, His blood. What He did, He shed His blood something that looked tragic, something that was awful, but brought hope, right? But many people try to look at hope as, as something, okay, if I, just, if I put my hope in this, if, if this one thing happens, then my whole life will be better. People will do this with politics. If you just get the right party in, in power, then everything that we ever wanted, all of our dreams are going to come true. Or they look at science and say, if, if we just follow science, if we just look at science, if we just trust in the science, then, then that's going to guide us in the right direction. Or people will say, look inside of you. you know, listen to that little voice that's inside of you. That's what's going to bring hope. That's what's going to bring joy. That's what's going to fulfill your life. Well, that sounds all well and good, but what happens when a different party becomes in power? Does all hope go? We think it does. What happens when, when science fails us and it doesn't bring all the answers that we think it's going to? Is our hope gone? What happens if that little voice doesn't say the things that we want it to say anymore? It doesn't actually talk nice to us anymore. It doesn't tell us those wonderful things anymore. Where's the hope then? Are we devastated? Is it all lost? You know, that, that's what we put our hope in. We, we, we start going, and we talked a little bit about this in Bible class, kind of at the end. That's how things go. When we start taking God out of the equation, when we start, you know, isolating different things, and we say, okay, trust in this. You know, you got to have your confidence in these things. It starts becoming about us or those that are around us, that that's where our hope, that's where our future, that's where our joy comes from. And it can't possibly bring that. Because it's not true, is it? Not to the end. It's not going to be faithful to the end. It may change as depending on what somebody else feels. You know, science may say this one time and it may say that one time. This political party may say, oh, we're for this. And then they realize there's more money in this, so now they're actually for this. And then people say, you know, let that little voice, let your conscience be your guide. Well, what if your conscience isn't taught what's right and what's wrong? 
You know, well, we just, we just know that. How do we know that? We're taught that. We're taught what's right and what's wrong through God's Word. God is what determines what's right. There's no moral standard. There's no standard at all. If it's not God's standard, would you want to live in a world like that? That'd be a world with no hope. But he says here, again, can we go back to that? I don't think I'll put it again, but go back to Hosea chapter 2. He says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there in the valley of Acre as a door of hope. She shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. He's going to back and, and remembering, okay, when I brought these people out of the land of Egypt and I brought them into the wilderness, it's almost like he's saying, okay, I brought them out of this bondage of sin. I brought them out of this, this slavery. I brought them out of this environment. And I brought them to a wilderness where I could have them to myself so I can teach them without all the distractions of the world they're my people and I'm going to bring them here and I'm going to teach them I'm going to nourish them I'm going to bring them along and sometimes that's what we have to do we have to get out of our comfort environment and, and get to a place where we need to be and get away from these things that's that's what happens when we become a Christian isn't it you know, God promised them, they, they left Egypt with this promise of a better land. And God was instructing them how to achieve that land. But in the process of that, many didn't achieve it. Because they didn't listen, did they? They disobeyed God and different things happened. That's what He does for us. He says, I'm going to bring you out of the bondage of sin to a better place. And here's what you do to achieve that. Now I like how it says... Uh, uh, therefore, behold, I will allure her. When you think of alluring something, we almost think about Satan. Satan allures us to sin, makes sin look attractive, makes sin look good, so we don't see that hook that's in there, and he baits us, and then he's got us. Well, does God allure us? Does God show us? And see, sometimes we don't see that side of it. It's basically talking about, if you go back, especially look at Hosea 1 and the following, it's about alluring somebody. I'm going to talk comforting words to her. I'm going to woo her. It's like a, 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 a bull trying to lure his and trying to woo his girl, his wife, what it's actually talking about. How does he do that? But talk about how blessed it is and how wonderful these things are. And that's what God does. But we, we just don't listen to that. All we want to see is these things that we gave up. And that's what happened to Israel, didn't it? They, they wanted to serve anything and do anything at one time other than God. They, they could do this themselves now. They'll listen to everything else. And basically, if you go back and read, you'll see even the ones that didn't go off to idols, they might as well have because they wouldn't worshiping or doing God like, they were, like He wanted them to anyway. But God is the one who brings hope. And how does he do that? He, 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 he talks to us with these comforting words. He shows us even in a time of devastation, even in a time of trouble. As he says, out of the valley of Achan, what does he say? I'm gonna, from there, I'll bring a door of hope. When it looks hopeless, remember, Jesus and him crucified, that looks foolishness to the world, doesn't it? But to us, it's something greater. To us, it brings hope. To us, it's that door of hope. And we have to realize that. We have to think about it. The source of our hope is important. Otherwise, we find ourselves trapped uh, in a valley of trouble, a valley of acre. And it, it seems like there's no way out. But we don't have to stay there. Remember what David said in Psalms 23 and 4? That's what I like about us studying the Psalms on, on Wednesday night. It, it brings so much 
I guess, insight, so much comfort to know what God does and what our relationship to Him should be. Notice what David said, Psalms 23 and 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, what do you say? I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He, he realized there's hope, even in that valley of the shadow of death that he's going through, there's hope. There's a door of hope for him. God is his, his staff. God is his comfort. God is his strength. Even when we go through these times of, of heartache. Psalms 42 and verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Psalms 130 and verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. Think about where this hope comes for. God is a source of our hope. Difference between, I mean, think about this. The difference between a lost person and a child of God is what? What's the difference? What's the main difference? It's hope, isn't it? Here you have no hope. Paul said if this world is all that there is, we're to be what? We're to be pitied. Because there's no hope if this is it. God said, but this isn't it. I'm bringing you to something different. I'm bringing you to something better. That This world is not all there is. We're just passing through. This world is not my home. And we forget that this world is not our home. This world is not where our hope comes from. If it is, we are to be pitied. But think of the things that are so important that things, if I could just get to, and this starts when you're younger. You know, if I could just have this, that would bring happiness. Or if I could just get to this point, that would bring joy. If I could just get to, I can remember being younger, especially just getting started out. I can remember, you know, if I, if, if, if I just had, if I made this much, if I just made this much, boy, that, boy life would be wonderful. And I realize now I spend that much at the dollar store. Don't you? I don't know why they call it dollar store anymore. Ain't nothing in there a dollar. But that's where it gets to, isn't it? I mean, that's, we, we, we think I'll have hope if I can just get to here. I'll have hope if I can just get to here. But hope doesn't come that way. God said, I'll make from Achan here, the valley of Achan, a door of hope. What he says is, there's hope. But you have to make sure you, the source of that hope is what it should be. And he says here, he's going to make that door of hope. Jesus said this in John 16 and 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What's he saying? Now just because I have hope, now what makes me different as a child of God is I have hope, and the world doesn't have hope, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to have trouble. Sometimes God may bring me into that trouble because that's exactly what I need at that time. God may bring me into that. That may be where the greatest blessing that I'm going to have at that time, that's where it's at. I don't know. But again, the difference is, Jesus said, it doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. It just means there's going to be a door of hope out of that trouble. David observed this, remember again in Psalms 23 and 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Notice the word through. Valleys are what we go through. It's not where we're going to take our permanent residence. 
It's what I'm going through, and it's the valley of the shadow of death. That's what we forget sometimes. It's, It's what God is doing for us in that moment. That's where I've got to have confidence in Him. That's where I've got to have hope in them. You know, sometimes we forget even in Psalms 23 where he says, I think Titus and I were talking about this not too long ago, where, you know, he, he, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Do we really understand what that statement means? He's prepared a banquet. I'm sitting down to eat. When all of my enemies are around me, destruction is all around, I'm at peace enough where I can sit down and eat. That's what he does for me. That's what he does for you. That's the hope that he brings. That's the hope that we're looking for. We've got to have hope. Can you imagine not having hope? We talked about in our Bible class this morning, would our life be different if we didn't have certain things? If we weren't able to study our Bible? If we weren't able to come to worship? If we weren't able to, to, to proclaim God's Word to others? We're going through a list of things. Would our life be any different? Would our life be any different if we didn't have hope? Of course it would be different. God is the source of that hope. And God has promised us something. Look in Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just like the the young lady that used that lock to show her unbreakable love that she had for the one that didn't come back. God said, I'm giving you this door of hope to show you my unbreakable love for you. Now again, there's one thing God's love for us. It's a totally different thing, our love for God. God is showing His love for us. And He shows that continuously. But what are we showing? What do we show Him in return? In John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God showed His unbreakable love. He said, here's what I'm going to do so you should not perish. There's absolutely no reason for us to perish. When I stand before God, I can't look at God and say, you didn't do enough for me. You didn't give me enough hope. You didn't do enough for me. I couldn't couldn't come to you. You He sent His Son to die. What more could He have done than that? Jesus gave His life. He so loved us, He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus laid down His life. No greater sacrifice than for one to lay down their life for you. He gave us His Word to study, to grow in that grace and knowledge. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Complete. Thoroughly equipped to every good work. He's given us everything that we need. That's that's the hope that He gives us. And we have no excuse. But again, we're looking for hope in other places. Have we found it? Have we found an everlasting hope? We may find it for a little while, we think. But then it's gone. But there's an interesting statement in Hosea 1 and verse 10. He says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. And what does that mean to us? Well, notice how Peter put it here in 1 Peter 2.10. 
He says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now has obtained mercy. See, God has brought that door of hope where He's brought us all together as one. Where you once were afar off, but now there's a door, there's a way, there's hope that you don't have to be afar off. Rome, Paul put it this way in Romans 9 and 26. It shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they shall be called sons of the living God. Paul just quotes uh, what Hosea said, the prophet. And you go back and look at his life and how it physically played out with him to the spiritual part. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. But it comes back to one thing. The hope. That door of hope that God provides. That's a promise that applies to us. At one time, we were not God's people, and we had no mercy. We had no hope of everlasting life. Ephesians, that was read a few moments ago, that Chris read, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know, you think about, we were talking in, uh, I think our last Wednesday night class in the Psalms, how they were looking at the city of Jerusalem and they were talking about how great it was and how wonderful it was and God's presence is there in its palaces and how, uh, how its loftiness and how wonderful it is, as the psalmist said. And we talked about how it went from that point to it got to Matthew 23, at the end of the chapter where Jesus said, I wanted to bring you as a, a, a hen would bring her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't have it. Remember starting in, verse, in chapter 24 when, when he told them, he said, not one stone will be unturned. They were, the disciples were going around showing them the city how wonderful it is. Everything had been become, that whole system of belief had become about that. And Jesus said, what you see around you, it's going to be gone. That's why they couldn't imagine, that's why there's so much confusion, they couldn't imagine how the destruction of Jerusalem would not coincide with the end of time. How could it go on for that? And that's what Jesus was showing. I believe that's what's in some of the context of Hosea here. Jesus had, to, and especially as you go into bringing it together, that system of belief of how that had become, out of that valley, of that, that destruction of that, Something new is born, isn't it? This is what it's about. This is bringing, he's, not, he's bringing us now out of the bondage of sin to bring us to a new place. A place of hope. A new land of heaven. And Hosea 2, again, verse 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will lure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. You know what God has given us an opportunity for today? A new slate. Isn't he? A clean slate. He said, let's go back to the beginning of when you were in bondage. And let me show you how I'll bring you out of that. I'll bring you out of that time of trouble. I'll bring you together as one, and I'll bring you through that door of hope. Jesus said, no one comes unto the Father except through me. He's the way. He's the door. He's the hope. 
There is no other door. There is no other way. There is no other hope. He is the true hope. And I really think sometimes we forget that. We forget really what he has done for us. We forget his unbreakable love. Jesus said in John 10 and 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He's the way. So the question remains today, God is alluring us. He's showing us by his word the kind of hope that we can have. But without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh before God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. So he tells us it comes from God's word. That's the source of hope. That's the substance of our hope. I have to believe that. I have to hear that. That's what pleases him. That's the faith that pleases him. It's impossible to please him without it. Then we're to repent of our sins, Luke 13 and 3, and he says it again in verse 5, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Then confess that He is the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. If we confess Him, He'll confess us. But if we deny Him, He'll deny us. To be baptized for the remission of those sins, Acts 2, 38. To wash away those sins, Acts 22, verse 16. And live that faithful life to Him, walking in the light as He is in the light, 1 John 1 and 7. To have hope. God said, I've provided you out of this valley of trouble, this world of trouble, I've provided you a door of hope. The question is, are you willing to go through that door and realize that's the only door to go through for true hope? Maybe you've done that, but maybe you, we say straight away, maybe you just didn't realize the hope that you had. You started hoping in other things in this world and realized that just brings heartache. 